0: This podcast episode, which was a QA, and I talk about optimism, and everybody was writing me. Some people were very angry from New York, but I can't keep everyone happy with an article. If you, if you wrote a good article, if you know that it made people think, my one rule of writing always is don't hit publish unless you're afraid of what people are going to think. I just stated facts. I stated my experience. However people interpreted it, it was up to them. But a lot of people wrote me and told me they were sad afterwards, after they read it, uh, this article that I wrote about New York City and what's going to happen to it and some of the things that are currently happening. So I wrote another article and I explain in this Q&A why I'm actually very optimistic about opportunities and you know throughout the whole country, like what this really means for the whole country. And I also had to address, a lot of people were saying I was not a true New Yorker. I addressed that. Uh, I also share a business idea for someone who wrote me who was 51 years old looking for a new start in life. And I talk about another idea. So there was one business idea, but I talk about another idea about uh, how you can buy the book rights of classic books and if you can make money that way. Talk about the post office and all the recent news about the post office. I also address why am I talking about the news at all? For years I was saying, don't read the news and I still firmly believe that. And finally, we talk about, I answer the question about how to say goodbye to a loved one. So ask me any questions you want. Text me at 203-590-8607. I try to answer every single question. And also, I would really appreciate it. It helps me out a lot. If you could subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I really just love doing these podcasts and I hope you love listening to them as much as I love sharing them with you. So thank you. Bye. Welcome to Instagram live. Uh, nobody's here yet. So how are you doing? Robin? Okay. Good. Yep. Uh, oh, you know, I had a glass thank of water, you. but I forgot it. Um, Anyway, welcome to everybody who's joining. Uh, Laura, Sam, Craig, Stanley. Craig, Stanlin, by the way, we just did a podcast together where Craig described his experiences in prison and how he survived it. And Craig, who just arrived on this IG Live, I want to tell you that I just got a text from somebody who I don't know if he wants his name mentioned, but he was very much in your position And he was very gratified to listen to your podcast. He said he started crying when he listened to it, and it very much moved him. His experiences with the legal establishment changed his life, and he's still getting over it. He's 37 years old now. His experiences were when he was in his 20s. And I will say to that person that, you know, as much as I'd like to say, you know, regret is another way of time traveling to the past just like anxiety is a way of time traveling to the future and we should always focus on where we are right now and what we can do to improve our lives now. I get it. I regret so many things from my past. Even though I'm incredibly happy, you know, here I am, great wife, great kids. You know, I have my ups and downs all the time and I do have my regrets even though I wouldn't live things over. And here's the thing I always try to do. I do this almost once a day and I've written about this before but I always imagine, I close my eyes and I imagine I'm, I wake up and I'm an alien from another dimension who just landed in this body and I'm only going to be here in this body for 24 hours so anything that happened in the past is BS and anything that's going to happen in the future is BS but I'm here on a mission and I have to do the best possible job with this strange, awkward, maybe even disgusting body that I find myself in. And that always has a way of making me feel kind of science fiction-y and also very present in the moment, as weird as it sounds. And it works, because then I start thinking, well what do I need to do right this second to make this person, this person James is whoever this guy James is, what can I do right this second to make his life better? That doesn't mean making a billion dollars because I'm not gonna, as the alien, I'm not gonna be here in the future, but it means, can I improve my relationships with someone today? Can I make this body physically healthier today? Can I exercise the possibility muscle or creativity muscle today? Can I focus more on getting, vacuuming up all those regrets or anxieties? I don't know, that's what I do. What I would suggest to this person who's still plagued by all these feelings and regrets from his close encounter with prison, and and and, and, and again, hence his drawing inspiration from the podcast, Craig, you and I did a few weeks ago. Just try something like that and just see what happens that day. Just do an experiment. Everything's about experiments. We're here to experiment with new possibilities and learn things we don't know. So. Yeah,
1: I wanna say hi to Lily. She's watching
0: us. Lily is watching. So Lily, one of our five Is watching so uh, I'm gonna answer some questions but I've had a really weird two days I I, and I just want to address this and the questions and and there is some hope and optimism in the article I wrote the other day and I want to bring that up so I wrote an article with the title New York City is dead forever here's why and the article went totally viral in ways that I did not expect. This was my goal when writing this article, was that I presented facts. There are restaurants that are going out of business, a lot of them. Their Vacancies are at an all-time high. Commercial real estate is gonna collapse, which is gonna create other problems. Work is going remote, not because businesses are shutting down, but because bandwidth is good enough. After 9-11, bandwidth was not good enough. After 2008, bandwidth was not good enough. But now, J P Morgan, Citigroup, Google, Twitter, to some extent Facebook, hundreds of companies are going permanently remote because they don't need as much office space. They'll save so much money and the bandwidth is finally there to do remote meetings. Everyone I talk to now, I say, how many remote meetings did you do today? And they're all like three or four. Now, some people like to go to work, some people don't. Some people like remote, but that doesn't matter. Companies are going remote, and that's gonna decrease the amount of office space rented, and that's gonna cause more problems for the economic ecosystem in New York. Does that mean if you live in New York, you're gonna be in trouble? No, it means New York City is gonna be in trouble. New York City deficits are way up, all right? They've spent a ton of money, not just in this pandemic, just all throughout, and, their revenues are down. Did you know that, first off, most of New York City revenues come from taxes, property taxes and income taxes. Did you know that only 2,500 people out of eight million people contribute over 40% of the tax revenues of New York City? There's too much reliance on tax revenues from the exact group of people that are probably leaving. I mean, there are tens of thousands of, it's not, me making this up, people acted like I was wishing for people to leave New York City. That couldn't be further from the truth. It's fact. There are tens of thousands of people leaving New York City. So I bring this up so that New York City people are not in denial and that solutions can be thought of. And I'll get to the thing that is hopeful in a second. But I wanna address one other thing. Everybody kept saying, you, People were literally saying, you, you know, effing asshole, how dare you trash my city? Like you're from Iowa or Indiana and you've never been to, or you're, you think you could come into New York and gentrify New York and then just leave and kick it on the way out? You, were you, are you even from here? Let me just answer. Yes, I am. I was born in New York City in Manhattan in 1968. My family lived in New York City. My family has lived in New York City for four generations. I grew up 30 minutes away from New York City in a suburb, like most people. I went away to school, and when I came back, I lived in New York City ever since 1994. There's a brief period, I lived in a suburb right outside of New York City, but then I moved back and I spent most of the nights in New York City anyway during that time, and when I lived from Airbnb to Airbnb, it was all in New York City. It was from neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood. So yes, I'm from New York City. I've been dirt poor in New York City. I've been struggling in New York City. I was in New York City in the 70s. I saw everything. I have lived right next to 9-11, I saw that. I lived on Wall Street during the Great Recession. So I've been there, I've done it, I've seen it. I still live there. My kids go to school there, uh, nothing. Is, I still own a, a bar slash comedy club there. So everybody, stop. It's okay if you insult me, but don't make me respond the billionth time. I'm from New York City. And what does it even matter? I presented facts, not an opinion. It wasn't like I said, New York City sucks. Everybody should leave. I presented just facts. If you could find something in there that's not a fact, show me. Now, the one thing is though, There's a lot of hope in what I said. Don't think in terms of geography for just one second. Don't think in terms of geography. For the past 100 years, maybe 200 years, but let's just say 100 years, if you were an innovator, if you were a creator, if you were a technologist, or a financier, or or an artist, you know, culturally, if you were an artist, you had to be in New York City, San Francisco or LA, one of the top first-tier cities. Now, here we are in what I'm calling the Great Reset. The country's changing, the world is changing. Is it gonna be worse? No, it's not gonna be worse. Is it gonna be better? I don't know, it's changing. I'm call- Let's call it the Great Reset, okay? It's not up or down, it's tilted. So now, it used to be if you wanted to be an artist, you gotta to go to New York, you want to be an actor, you gotta to go to LA, you wanna be a technologist, San Francisco, a banker or a media guy, New York City. Now opportunity is gonna be spread out across the entire country. You could be whatever you want, wherever you want now. Again, it used to be in this one little geographic fictional area, New York City or San Francisco or LA. You have, to go, you have to go to one of these three places, you were limited, the frontier of your dreams was limited by geography. Now it's not. Now, be an artist, be an inventor, an innovator, a creator, a, a, whatever you wanna be. Your, your frontier now is inside of you. It's not, it's not a geographic boundary. I get it, you wanna help New York, you want it to be the greatest, I do too but it's unfortunately gonna go through hard times. I don't know how to stop the facts that I mentioned. There's going to be plunging revenues, not rents, but revenues, and there's gonna be higher deficits, which is gonna create a problem. But it doesn't create a problem for you. There's always opportunity for you. And that's the important thing to remember. That is the hope and optimism, is that dreams will be decentralized dreams and ambition will be dispersed, not only throughout the country, which is also a, a, uh, an artificial boundary but throughout the world. So I hope you, you you take that for what it's worth, instead of constantly, for the people from New York, everybody else has been very nice, but for the people specifically from New York who have been trashing me in the past two days, just leave me alone, read the article, and take hope that this is a good thing for you, which is why I wrote it. So. Now I'm going to answer some questions, but anything...
1: No, I think that's a good point, and I think it just gives people more um, options, right? Yes, of
0: course. So you don't have to live
1: live there now. I mean, you can live anywhere, but you can still, you
0: know... You don't have to live in Williamsburg to to make friends who are similar to you. You don't have to live in... uh, You don't have to work on Wall Street or Park Avenue to work at a hedge fund or an investment bank. You don't have to live in the Bronx to write a novel so you can get published in New York. Live in, and so people ask, well, what are the, some of the hot spots to move? And I mentioned some of them in my article, but uh, the reality is I don't know the answer. Here's where I've seen people move. I've seen people move to Phoenix, Arizona. I've seen people, what's the city in Montana that our friend Josh moved to? There's That's some Cody hot-
1: Wyoming or? No, it was in Montana. Oh,
0: Montana. So anyway, we have a friend who moved to some hotspot in Montana and he said everybody from LA is moving to this one hot spot in Montana. I'll look it up and I'll ask yeah. him. Um, I've seen people move to Boulder, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. I've seen people move to Park City, Utah. I've seen people move to Austin. I've seen people move to Dallas. I've seen people move not to Miami, but to the Miami area like Delray or Boca Raton. Uh, I've seen people move to Charleston, South Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina. Richmond, Virginia, somebody just pointed out to me. Nashville, Tennessee. I
1: wonder if most of these are, uh, they don't have um, state tax. I
0: I don't know, some of them, like in Texas, Utah, I believe, Nevada, Nevada. I don't know, Um, Florida doesn't. Uh, So many of these states, here's the problem also, (laughs) if you're not working in New York City, and this is what every New Yorker knows who moves there from somewhere else, is that if you're not, working there, and if you don't have family there, there's no reason to be there because the cost of living is so expensive. Now, hopefully that will go down. We don't know. I didn't mention that once in my article, whether it will go up or down. The problems may or may not mean rents or prices go down. We will see.
1: I can't see taxes going down.
0: Taxes are not going down for sure, because... Right now, between state and city taxes in New York, if you live in New York City, you're paying 16.7% on top of the max rate of 33% in the US, or 30%, I don't know what the tax rates are, but I would never make a living decision based on taxes, nor should anybody, but I do notice a lot of the cities people are moving to have lower taxes. Whatever, check out places. If you're thinking of leaving New York City, check out places. Airbnb. There's a company called Landing. You can find them at hellolanding.com. It's like Airbnbs for furnished Airbnbs for a month at a time. Mm-hmm. So check out Landing and stay for a month in Seattle. Stay for a month in Austin <laughs> in the middle of summer. Stay for a month in oh, where's um on the pan on the what's the area of Florida where we have friends um, yeah. on the west side of uh, Florida, like
1: Fort Myers, I think. Whatever. It so just, really beautiful beaches. Yes,
0: if you like beaches, stay in Charleston, South Carolina, where I've stayed once, it's nice. Stay in Asheville, stay in Virginia Beach. Uh, Go to Vancouver, see what happens. But uh, there's a lot of beautiful places. And by the way, you don't have to be limited to one place. If you have kids, you do. But like I said, landing.com or HelloLanding.com allows you to go from place to place for a couple months at a time. Kind of like how I used to do it with Airbnbs, although again, most of the time when I stayed at Airbnbs, I moved from neighborhood to neighborhood in New York City. So stop with saying I'm not a New Yorker.
1: Uh, people but it was actually my idea, I think, for us to leave. I mean, we talked about it, but- And we haven't moved. Know, We're here, really? it's like a vacation.
0: Yes. So it's right. temporary. We're, I still, anyway, people who knew me said I was, I don't know why they would say I was a non-New Yorker. It was a very, uh, you find you kind of find out who your friends are or who secretly has something against you when you post something controversial and you see oh so and so like this why is what's up but anyway no no regrets and I'm not upset it really it's are. more it's more their issue but you can't help but be affected sometimes nobody is impervious to ups and downs which is when I have to just shut my eyes And do the alien technique I described earlier. Nobody's superhuman except for maybe Eckhart Tolle or something like that. Um, I think he is. I think he is the one guy who's maybe superhuman. Um, So I'm going to answer some more questions, but here's a question for you Mm -hmm. that somebody asked This woman has a 19 and a half year old Mm -hmm. who uh, is packing up with her boyfriend and moving from her town to Portland, Oregon, okay. and she's really gonna miss her, her daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, she really loves her daughter, and you know, she put a lot into, yeah. just like you do, into your work as mm-hmm. a mother. It's very, it's the hardest thing I've ever seen anyone do. I can't do a job like that. And she is not sure how to get over this mm-hmm. feelings of, of loneliness and sadness. Yeah, I don't know. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm sort of dealing with that myself. Very much so. So I, I think just staying connected, uh, um, uh, FaceTime or, you know, at least technology allows you to see them face, you know, their face and talk to them and talk to them. Yeah. So it's important. I think to connect, to keep connected with your kids, you can, you can call them, uh, WhatsApp, you know, that's what I do. I love my kids. Let
0: me, let, let me ask you a question. How many times a day? Do you either call or text Lily?
1: I don't know Lily, Who's on IG right I know. now? probably around four or four times.
0: I think it's more like forty times a day. Like you're at like a two Am in the morning. Managing at two in the morning, it'll the phone will light up and you'll reach no. over. It might be Lily. And like I do, I definitely keep the phone waking everybody up next to the bed in case. I mean, I've
1: got one in London. And then Lily. I think though,
0: the, I think though, a good thing is to be proud of them that you did a good enough job, right? That, yeah. that, that they could go off and be an adult on their own. Like I've yeah. seen situations where the kids were never able to leave their parents mm-hmm. in in their home, fine. which is fine too. I mean, but well, I don't think it's that
1: healthy. But I mean, it, it just shows that the the, the girl is is. You know, ready to fly and it's a a very healthy thing to do.
0: One thing I would do though is keep checking up to see that they're making forward progress. Not that you always in life have to make forward progress, but if they want to be X, then from one day to the next, what are they doing to get 1% better at X? Again, they don't have to do something every day, but it could easily turn into a habit to not do something not doing something i remember one time i was unemployed and this was i was 24 years old 25 years old i was just thrown out of graduate school and i was a wreck like i had maybe like two t-shirts and one pair of pants once every couple days i'd give a chess lesson for 15 dollars, and i was unemployed and i was scared i didn't want to have to move back in Mm -hmm. with my parents and my older sister called me, she knew I was depressed, and she and I'm depressive, so this happens. Uh, she said, whatever you do, just make sure you do one thing a day. Sometimes two things a day is too much, to be honest. Don't, don't put a, an ad on Tinder and go out on five dates and start a new business. You know, the one thing a day was useful. Read a book. You know, much later, when I was doing the one thing a day, I was, th- this was much later in 2002, I was super depressed, and as people know who've read Choose Yourself, I, I would write 10 ideas a day, and within a few weeks, I, I could feel it, like my brain would, I would, it was like clouds would move away in my brain. I used to walk around, and I would see people smile, and I would ask myself, how do they even make that shape on their face? How would they crack their face in such a way as to smile? And... I couldn't do it, I couldn't even imagine it, even though obviously I knew they were smiling. I didn't understand what it meant. I thought they were just fooling themselves to be happy. But after writing down 10 ideas a day on a waiter's pad, as depressed as I was and as hopeless as my situation was, I was losing my home, had no money, everything, I was able to, I saw the clouds go away and literally light come in. And even though my situation didn't get better and I still had depressive periods after, I saw kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. So there's various ways to to get over depression. But again, if you're the mom and that's your daughter who went away, you know, feel the pain that you missed her, Mm -hmm. that you miss her and mourn it. But you also have to move on and come up with ideas and figure out what you're going to do with your time Mm -hmm. and Talk to her 40 times a day, text her 40 times a day. She's not gonna wanna talk to you 40 times a day. My kids wanna talk to me once every 40 days, but that's another story, because one of them's right over there, two of them. Um, All right, Uh, people wanna know, or somebody wants to know, what do I think about the post office? The post office now has become political. A year ago, if you had asked me about the post office, I had a very definitive answer. I said, the US should sell it before it goes out of business. That was my answer. That was before it was political. Now you can't say that because now it means something else, I think. I don't even know what it means now. But like, here's the thing. The US government is in all this debt, but it also has a lot of things that it owns. Like the post office itself, that could probably sell for a hundred billion dollars, mm-hmm. and why shouldn't? Why shouldn't like Federal Express? For instance, when Amazon sends you things, they rarely use the post office. They use UPS or they use Federal Express. They use more reliable, reliable deliverers of mail. Mm-hmm. So, not that the post office is unreliable. And I, my uncle was a mailman. I have a, a, a you know. I grew up with no different people in my family who, who, my dad worked for the post office, the exact building that Facebook is gonna start renting in New York City. My dad would tell me stories of working there Christmas Eve, so he got like triple overtime. But uh, the post office doesn't really need to be owned by the government. Private entities should pay a huge price for it and make it work. And by the way, the US government should use the post office for more things. like. You instead of using the banks to pay the PPP direct stimulus checks, use the post office. The post office knows where everybody lives. The banks just know who has bank accounts like it's the the number of people unbanked is much greater than the number of people with no address at all so the, the government should think of more uses for the post office you could have gotten the stimulus checks to people in days rather than weeks or in some cases a month so you know, and then the US should sell the post office. But anyway, that was my answer before. Now I have to think a little bit more about it because it's become political. So the reason it's become political, I guess, is uh, the Democrats want everybody to mail in their votes and the Republicans supposedly don't want that. But why do they want them to do that? I don't know, I have no, I have no clue. There's, a good, there's always a good reason and a real reason. The good reason is for coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, uh, mailing the votes is safer. So, uh, and that's the good reason. The real reason may be is they think there'll be a different kind of, you know. I assume everybody has. I assume the Republicans don't want it because they think they'll get more votes that way, and the Democrats want everybody to mail in because they think they'll get more votes that way. And so, the Republicans, being on the other side of that, don't want mail in, and so they're they're denying funding for the post office, or the Democrats are denying funding because apparently it's tied into the stimulus package. Right, so, and I
1: think Trump wants to put the money into the people's hands rather than
0: into a... Sure, a, so, so, so look, the key thing in this stimulus package is that before any companies get bailed out, before anybody gets bailed out, human beings need to get bailed out. And this is what I wrote, I wrote this to them, I wrote this, I'll tell you, I wrote this to Larry Kudlow, the National Economic Advisor, I wrote, and who I've known for decades, I wrote, do direct stimulus, and and that's how, well, people are hungry. That's what will help people the fastest. It's not like people won't get a job after getting a $1,200 check. They need the money. They're being told to stay home. So do that before any bailout. So I do think when Congress is convening sessions to interrogate the Postmaster General, but they're not involved in sending, I don't even know what size checks the Republicans want. The Democrats want. Give the maximum possible. Oh, I just spit on you. You got coronavirus now. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year, I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours, and they were willing to pay for everything for me. So. To fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long, and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? Zip recruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see, you'll you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter. And I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just, just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. At least that's good. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See Center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Okay, we're back. That was Kamal Rabathon calling. I'll have to call him back. So, uh, uh, I don't even know who wants what stimulus, but give the maximum check possible to each individual person, let's say in the bottom half of income, okay, so 50 to 80 million people, I don't know, and just pass that, so before you can, they should make a law, before you can do any other law, you've gotta pass some sort of direct stimulus to the people. Now, then, I, I don't understand why Congress is bringing back, the. they're on vacation, they're coming back out of vacation just to interrogate the Postmaster General instead of voting on direct stimulus checks for people. That's the part that bothers me. Yeah. Politics aside, People need help. But all these people in Congress are worth 50 to 100 million. Nancy Pelosi is worth 300 million. Trump's worth billions. Other senators are worth tens of millions. Pass direct stimulus to you. Now, should the post office be used for mail in votes? I have no clue. It seems weird to change an entire system less than 80 days before an election. Like, the guarantee of the government doing that correctly seems like zero. It seems like, oh, I'm going to build a train between here and New York within the next 80 days. The possibility of that would be less than zero. But look, do it. I don't care. Like, let's say they have every man's in their votes and then it's just a huge mess. I don't I don't care. I don't give a shit. Like, like what we see in New York City is, is that local politics has much more direct damage or positive effect right. than federal politics. Uh, you know. Who knows? And this gets into a discussion of, you know, of course everybody is going to go with their own agenda. Maybe Trump says the good reason is he doesn't want fraud and it'll be a big mess, but the real reason is he wants more votes. Maybe Pelosi says, or Biden says, he doesn't want everybody to get COVID by going to the polling places, but the reality is he wants more votes. Just don't be fooled by the real, by the good reason. Always ask, what's the real reason? Be skeptical. Clearly, they do not give a shit about someone getting coronavirus. They have, both sides have protests, rallies, gatherings. The the U.S. is is largely open for outdoor dining and for stores, so people can go vote. So, again.
1: And they're not saying just that they're just going to do mail-in, right? They're
0: going to allow both. I don't even know. But yeah, they're going to allow both. So, so I don't know. I, I personally do not give a shit. I think it would be hilarious if everyone mailed in a vote and it turned out to be amazingly just a clusterfuck and like twenty dead people per per town. Didn't they
1: lose a lot of uh, of these uh, envelopes? Yeah, yeah, it's
0: a disaster. But I don't. I think it'd be funny. And like everyone says, oh, but democracy has to go on. Clearly, democracy is not working right now because. These guys are at each other's throats. If you read through history, the last time I've seen anything this violent was 1857 when two senators, one senator almost beat up another senator in Senate Mm -hmm. chambers, like almost killed with a cane. That's because they were all old. So that's how things are. That's not like they are now. You know, in, not to get too far away from the questions, but in a political liberal society, I don't mean liberal in the Democrat sense, I just mean in a in liberal in the sense of being open-minded and thinking, you, you're going to have people who disagree. That's a reality. You can't have 100% of people agree with you. You can't censor people who don't agree with you on either side. You can't try to ban people. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't say, I'm not gonna be friends with people who don't agree with me, but I mean, maybe you could, but that'll limit you severely. In a, in a good political society, and maybe this is a dream and it can never come true, there should be both reasonable people and rational people. Mm-hmm. So a reasonable person says, I believe in X, you believe in the opposite of X, and- we will figure it out. Right. We will come up with a compromise or we, we all agree with the system is a democracy. So right. Congress will vote and we all agree to abide by Congress. That's reasonable people. Now, what's a rational person and how is it different? A rational person does think of their own self-interest. So a rational person might say, it's better for me if they lower taxes. And then a rational person might say, but you know what, it's so much better for society if they raise taxes, hypothetically, I'm making this up, I actually believe in lower taxes, but a rational person might say, you know what, it's so much better for society if they raise taxes that I'm in favor of raising taxes. So a rational person largely acts out of their own self-interest, but if combined with being a reasonable person, they do it in such a way that people with many different opinions can vote and decide and society moves forward and hopefully grows in the process and learns from its mistakes. Right now, we are not in a good political system. No matter who wins, we don't have reasonable people. We don't have reasonable people, and I don't even think we have rational people right now. Like I don't think I think a, a good fifty percent of the decisions made during this pandemic and lockdown were not rational, rational or reasonable.
1: On both sides.
0: On both sides, but that's another story. Um, yeah. It got so political. Like the, po- the fact that the post office got political and, and aspirins got political, and who knows what else got political, is just crazy. Like, they, it actually stopped people from healing from this virus and stopped the economy from healing. Even right now, they're not giving stimulus out because right. they're worried about the post office. Just fund the post office, do whatever you want, and we're all gonna laugh when it's a big joke at the end. Like, who cares? So-
1: They uh, have terms, I think, in Congress. Some of these people have been there forever, and it's, it's just no good, I don't think, to have people there for
0: oh yeah, so long. term limits for Congress. I like two terms. People always say, "Oh no, people learn when they're there from experience." No, they don't. They
1: learn how to cheat.
0: Senators and... have been there for forty years. Why haven't they saved the world yet? If they got if they're so great, <laughs> like two terms for every for right. House, Congress, they Governor, really I mean, wealthy, <laughs> Mayor of New York has term limits. Governor of New York has term limits. Well, president has term limits. Why is not the House and the Senate have term limits? Yeah. Um, heck, maybe we need term limits for the Supreme Court, an 18-year term, and then before you're 98 years old, <laughs> you get the new blood in, and then it's better, it's easier for people to plan, mm-hmm. oh, a new Supreme Court justice is gonna come in. Instead, we're all sitting around, everybody, people are literally betting on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death on predicted.org, and that's the way we're doing conducting justice. Right. So, um, okay. Okay, um, here's someone who's 51 years old, would love to earn a living, a living with a business that he can do immediately. Likes writing, works for the Department of Education, but lives paycheck to paycheck. Would really love a business idea. And this is a good question. Of course, we've gone over a lot of business ideas. This next side hustle Friday, coming on Friday, is going to be about different ways, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a special guest. Different ways of creating a social media agency, but let me just give the quick download on what you should learn right now. If you want to, if you want to make a quick living you know, while you're still working, and, and I'll call it a side hustle, but I'm, I'm changing the definition of a side hustle. A side hustle is not something you do on the side to make money. Like a lot of people think, oh, there's the Uber of dogs, and if I walk six dogs, I can make $12 an hour. That's a stupid side hustle. Do not do that. Instead, always do a side hustle that can scale into a potential seven-figure business, or it could replace your living, or is a good supplement to income without as much work as walking dogs, which sounds frightful to me. So right now, if I wanted to sell something, like let's say I wanted to make a bunch of pajamas with my face on it, because I know everyone's gonna wanna buy pajamas with my face on it. I don't, I honestly, I I have a computer science background. I've been on the internet forever. I don't know how to set up an e-commerce store. I'm admitting it. I don't know how to set up an e-commerce store. So I know there's Amazon sellers, there's eBay, there's Etsy, Etsy, there's Shopify, there's Depop, there's Poshmark, which I'm even an investor in and I don't know how to use it. I don't think I've ever been to the site. And Instagram now has shopping capabilities. Pinterest, you can click on a product and go to the uh, e-commerce link, there's all sorts of things you can do. So what's, what's happening in the economy right now? You go to major cities or even towns, the stores are closed and the stores might be closed for a long time. So you go to a store and you say, hey, I noticed you're closed I know, or I noticed you have limited you know, access. You're, I also noticed you're not on eBay. You're not on Shopify. You're not, you're a clothing uh, seller. You're not on Depop. I will set up 10 different stores for you. I will set up all your e-commerce needs. I will make sure people will find you on Google. By the way, it's not hard. You could set up a Shopify store in less than a half hour. You could set up a Depop store in less than a half hour. Amazon sellers, a little harder. eBay, I don't know. Etsy, I don't know. Pinterest, half hour. So you could say, look, Whatever, whatever you think the price is, try out different prices for $2,000, for $1,500, I will set you up once and for all on 10 different stores. And then for, and I'll put all your products on there. For $100 a month maintenance, $150 a month maintenance, I will then upload graphics of new products to all of your stores. And here's what you do. Um, let's say you get 10 clients, that's $15,000, that first month, if it's $1,500. And then maybe it's $1,500 a month. But okay, so make maintenance a little bit more or get more clients. Because here's why it's scalable. You can do what's called drop servicing. So some people talk about drop shipping. Oh, I'm gonna buy something from China. I'm gonna buy binoculars from China for a dollar. I'm gonna sell them to somebody in Wyoming for $50. And I'm never gonna touch the inventory. That's drop shipping. Drop servicing, is someone says, here's 20 new products, upload them to my store. You're charging $150 to do that. Now you outsource that to somebody in India for $10. That's drop servicing. You're providing a service, but you're outsourcing it to a cheaper country. So create a social media agency, use drop servicing, and you could expand and scale it and grow it and eventually sell it. So that is one possibility. I'm gonna dive into this deep on Friday. If you listen to the podcast on Friday, Side Hustle Fridays, I'm gonna go way into this with a friend of mine who I've set up a social media agency in the past. He has set up a different type of social media agency. We're gonna compare notes and de- determine best practices. But w- when I saw this question about a 51-year-old who obviously has some skills, wants to start a business, this is the fir- but has a full-time job, lives paycheck to paycheck, This is the first thing that came to mind uh, because I know it can be done, I know people have done it, I know you can make a good living from it. And there's a lot of other things I've spoken about and and will continue to speak about. I'll present more of these ideas every single week, maybe every single podcast. Uh, Oh, this is a great question. Someone says, would it be feasible, this is a good question, would it be feasible to buy up the rights of niche market books, for instance, on fly fishing, for example, or golf or cooking, convert them to all new formats, plus reprint and make profit that way. Mm-hmm. What would be involved in that process? Some of these books sell for $250 on the used book market. Great question. Mm-hmm. So Tim Ferriss, I don't know if you know who he is, he wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, The 4-Hour Body, The 4-Hour Chef bunch of four-hour books, and he's got a great podcast. He's been on my podcast. I've been on his. He's a good friend of mine. Tim Ferriss was for a while in this business. He would buy up the audio rights of tons of books. For instance, I think Ryan Holiday's Obstacle is the Way or Ego is the Enemy, Tim bought the audio rights because audiobooks started to sell more than paperbacks. So, uh, also he... um, he bought like the audio rights for lots of classic books, then he would produce the audiobook and he would release it. So yes, you can buy the rights for older out-of-print books, or you can maybe find books that are in the public domain. Like I don't know how long. They've been out for like 60 years or something. They've been they're in the public domain, and you could easily Google which books like Jane Austen or Pride and Prejudice. Maybe you can make the audiobook or maybe you can make an annotated audiobook so you you have somebody read the audio you buy you don't even have to buy the rights cuz it's a public domain you have someone read the audiobook and then maybe you have a professor provide notes after each chapter so it becomes like a teaching guide the audiobook so or you could just buy you know oh it looks like this book is number 1 in its category they don't have an audiobook i'm going to buy the audio rights i will tell you I'll just be flat out honest. I probably sell more. So, 20, So Choose Yourself was written, was published seven years and two months ago, June of 2013. To this day, I make more money. Every single month, uh, I make more from the audiobook than the month before. And I make more. It's, the audiobook sells more copies than the paperback or the hardcover. I'm not sure about the Kindle, but it sells more copies today. Than the paperback or the hardcover, the audiobook. So, buying at least the audio rights is a great idea. If you could buy other rights, power to you. If you could buy the international rights, so you can you can always buy the international rights and then outsource to a uh, foreign rights agent, a small foreign rights agent, to take it to the Frankfurt Book Fair and you do a 50 50 split and they sell it to, like I just sold the uh, foreign rights to choose yourself to, Slovakia for like $1,500, it's still, every year I sell more and more foreign rights of that book and it brings in a little bit here and there, but the audio rights definitely bring in a lot. So uh, that answers that question. And that might trigger some ideas. Maybe someone should make an exchange. Oh, here's book titles where the audio rights are for sale. Like no Mm -hmm. one's ever done that. Like make it, if you can make a platform which does this even better. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's a great idea. You know what would be interesting, what about buying ad space in self-published books? So let's say I see you have a self-published book mm-hmm. and it's doing pretty well, like you're number one in your category. Mm-hmm. I go to you and say, hey, uh, and I go to a bunch of advertisers, I get a bunch of advertisers, and I say, hey, I've got advertisers for the first page of your, your book. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I could build like a kind of an ad network of self-published books and I can get the advertisers here. And so I could promise, let's say Microsoft Teams, wants to advertise, I could say, I could deliver you uh, um, two million page reads on your ad, and so and that would be about, I could probably sell that, so that's two million, it's like 2,000 times 30, you could probably sell that ad space, two million uh, page reads for $60,000 to Microsoft, and then you split it with the author, so you make 30,000, and then all the authors that you spread it around, make half of right. it, depending on how much, you know, it's pro rata how much they, people read their books. Great idea. That's, I, that's, the, that's my brainstorm of the day. <laughs> uh, somebody asked how they can marry, um, do idea sex with luxury clothes. This person makes like luxury menswear, like luxury ties and things like that, I think. And now she's working in the cannabis industry we do know that cannabis marijuana is going to be legal eventually it's legal in canada right mm-hmm. and it's going to be when do you think it'll be legal in the us all over the us
1: oh gosh i don't know i have no idea
0: well there's a whole I... just like just like skating soon. and surfing became a whole clothing subculture in the 90s and the '00s. Oh. like you know you have brands like supreme and mark echo and uh, the hundreds, Bobby hundreds came on my podcast the other day and you have all these great clothing lines that came out of the skating subculture. I I don't think it's too late to say the cannabis subculture is done. I do think you could create great designs and brands and start with t-shirts just to see what brands are good or even just start with ads where you show you Photoshop and show pictures of t-shirts you've designed and see if you can create like a real cool hip, like in the trenches, the clothes have to really demonstrate that you're not fake, that you're really in the trenches of the cannabis subculture, like this woman is. So that's the whole thing I believe. I
1: mean, cannabis, they have a lot of byproducts, you know, so you could actually turn that into a fabric, which is a lot healthier than using cotton because cotton just, you know takes all the minerals out of the ground and it takes so much water and you know we, we all have water shortages now so um i think that's something to do uh, just to make fabric out of, it's, out it's of h- life h-
0: like if i'm wearing hemp instead of this is linen right
1: it's linen but it's, it's similar to this you know
0: will it feel comfortable yeah huh i want to try some hemp yeah. i almost yeah. said hemp i want to try some hemp Pajamas? Yeah. Where where (laughs) do do you think i get them? I have no idea. I'm gonna Google that. Um, So, uh, let's see other questions. Um, Well, let's see. uh, So, okay, somebody asked a question that I've been kind of anti-news. For the past 10 years, I've been super anti-news and anti-political even talking about it on my podcast or in my posts. And the question is, why am I now, and they're not criticizing it, they've been enjoying it, they've been enjoying the recent podcast where I've been a little bit more topical and a little bit more on the news. Like, I don't know if people remember, but the weekend after the Iran thing happened in January, I had on an expert on Iran to give predictions that turned out to be dead on. With the impeachment, I had on experts, with. Um, Uh, the pandemic. I had on epidemiologists, virologists, immunologists. With the economy, I had on economists. Mark Cuban came on. I had on politicians, even Andrew Yang. Uh, I I had on three different presidential candidates and I have another one coming on next week. So why have I been more topical? I think because first off, it's not that I'm reading the news. I still never read the news because having worked in news departments, it is all Bullshit. They do, they are getting the, whoever is writing the news is getting it fourth hand. I've experienced it over and over again. So you always want to go to the source anyway for the news. That's why I use my podcast to say to reach out to people working for the Federal Reserve. Not because I want to read in the newspaper what the Federal Reserve is doing, but because I want to actually physically talk to somebody at the Federal Reserve to see what they're doing, and I could put that on my podcast. So that's the way I've been finding out news is by inviting people on my podcast. And so I get to, them to, I get to learn things that I won't read in the news. But why am I being topical is because the stakes have been higher. Like right now, or at least in March, or at least in January, everyone was worried about World War III. In March, everybody was worried. You know, people were asking me, are 140 million people around the world going to die from Coronavirus? I'm like, no, where did you hear that? And then article in the New York Times, no. So I, w- I felt like it was important to explain the reality when the media was trying to scare everybody. With the economy, trying to provide perspective. Like in, in early April, when I said, now, or late March, now's the time to buy the market after the stimulus bill was passed. You know, now, by the way, I think, it's okay to slow down. I'm not gonna recommend anything one way or the other, but I myself personally would slow down buying the market because there's a little bit of uncertainty going into this election. Remember in 2000, the market crashed when there was uncertainty after Gore Bush wasn't settled on election day. But um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of lessons in topical right now. And I think a lot of people are still scared, you know, which is why I wrote about this New York City thing. It's not the first time I've done this. I wrote about Brexit several years ago and people shouldn't be as scared as as they were. I've always written about very scary moments when I see points of optimism. And even with New York City being in potential trouble, there is optimism, like I said earlier, and I described earlier, and if you didn't weren't here earlier, it'll be on the Instagram feed or on the podcast, and you could listen, or I wrote an article on, on Facebook, I'll put it on LinkedIn and Medium as well, but there's room for optimism right now, a lot of it. Even just describing some of these side hustles, some of these side hustles didn't even exist three months ago, and now could be billion or multi-billion dollar industries, so, I guess I am being a little bit more topical, but I am not recommending reading the news. I do think these conventions, political conventions, are if we watched the conventions last night and it's all, and look, the Republican convention is going to be the same way. It's all theater. It's like people with, got their scripts and they read from their scripts and it's like watching a shitty soap opera. It's like a boring soap opera, like, uh, yeah, who knows? So so. I'm looking forward to seeing both conventions. I'm getting, just like the impeachment hearings, which was this weird reality show, I'm getting a little uh, addicted maybe, and we'll see. Also, I like the game-like aspects of elections. Here's what about tomorrow, or not tomorrow, Friday when we do an Instagram Live, if people are interested, I wanna describe, a lot of people are deciding right now, Trump, Biden, Libertarian, whatever, no voting, voting, Forget the personalities for a second. Completely ignore the fact that Donald Trump is running for president and that Joe Biden is running for president. I want to describe the difference, if there is one, and there is. I wanted to de- de- define the difference between Trumpism and Obamaism and Yangism and let's call it AOC slash Bernie Sandersism. Maybe even get into how they're different from Clinton or Bushism. All of, all of these people have a somewhat consistent philosophy. Bidenism, I'm not sure. I think it goes along with Obama. I think, he, you know, it's, he, it's a little unclear what his ism is. Maybe because he's doing too much, just no Trump. And I get that, that's almost Bidenism. But so I'll, I'll focus on o- Obama's political philosophy, which was very, very consistent. Trump's philosophy is very consistent. Yang's philosophy is very consistent. Um, Bernie Sanders philosophy is incredibly consistent. Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate is incredibly consistent. So if people are interested, maybe hit some hearts or whatever. On Friday, I'll do a brief summary of uh, all these different isms because there's reasonable things in all of them and there's unreasonable things in all of them and maybe you can make a better decision if you know the political philosophies rather than just saying like a fifth grader, like, oh, I hate him or I like him. I mean, I, yeah. when I was in fifth grade, when I was in fourth grade, I, I was really against my dad's choice. No, I was, I was, sorry, I was like in first grade. I was really against my dad's choice for president. He wanted, this was 1976, he wanted, he wanted Jimmy Carter, and I was eight years old, I wanted Gerald Ford. And he was like, why do you want Gerald Ford? Do you even know anything? And I said, well, I don't, why are you voting for a tennis player? because I thought Jimmy Carter was Jimmy Connors, the best tennis player in the world at the time. And so I just refused to agree that Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Connors were two separate people. So that's how people still pick their candidates, I feel. Yeah. And so I just wanna go over the political philosophies just a tiny bit for five minutes and we'll see. But meanwhile, if you have questions for us or topics for us, uh, Amit, you can text me questions anytime you want, 203 590-8607. I'm trying to get Robin to talk more. Ask questions to Robin too. Ask about parenting. Ask about, Oh, she's a brilliant artist. She's, she, this is your side hustle that's amazing. You do the auction thing. You go to all these online auctions and you have an eye for finding, you have, I can't even believe the value you find in auctions. Anyway, could you ask us both questions. Trying to get... She's shy. I'm Trying shy. to get her to talk more. But thanks very much, everybody. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, Instagram Live. I got some great guests this week. And um, also Side Hustle Fridays. I'm going to expand much more this Friday. on uh, Not in the Instagram Live, but on the podcast that you'll get this Friday. I'm going to expand much more on how to start a social media agency. But I beg of you, please... Um, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts to the podcast. All these IG Lives go on the podcast and give me a review if you want. Uh, I hope you do, It's it's good for us. We know that then people are interested and it goes up on the rankings. And for once and for all, I am from New York. Stop tweeting that I am not from New York. And there is hope in my article. Don't think I was trying to make people sad, I wasn't. There's hope. Listen to the beginning of this or or read the article that I just posted. Anyway, see you Friday and see you on Google Earth. Thanks so much, everybody. IG Lives are Tuesday and Friday.
1: Want to make mom's day?